Welcome listeners to the Digital World Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Ivanovsky, and in this episode, I'll be helping you make an informed decision when buying your next MacBook. Before we get started, I want to introduce you to the first edition of Digital World, soon to be streaming across the YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify platforms. Technology is changing every single day, and the Digital World podcast exists to empower and guide consumers through expert advice. From technology buyers' guides, reviews, how-tos, industry insights, and beyond. Be sure to get subscribed now so you don't miss an episode, and I look forward to connecting with you all in the digital world. So you're in the market for an Apple laptop, and whether you're a first-time buyer, a student, or an avid user, I'll walk you through how to get the best bang for your buck. Now, that all starts with assessing your needs. Before we get into a specific model or configuration, really, before we look at Apple's website, we need to break down how much computer you actually need. In my case, I know I've got a laptop and a desktop computer. Although, during the day when I'm working, most of my time is spent on the Apple Mac Studio with my MacBook Air as a secondary device. A great way for you to start assessing your computer needs is to determine if this will be a primary or secondary device. Most people are spending way too much on their MacBook and then end up grabbing their iPads to surf the web or accessing their main desktop computers more often. Further, for those who might have a work-provided laptop or computer, the time spent on your new MacBook is even less. To avoid this, I urge you to look at the number of hours you plan to spend on your new MacBook per day. Next, begin to break down those hours into three buckets of activities, light, medium, and intensive. Light tasks can include things like checking your emails, browsing the web, and watching YouTube videos, really anything inside of a web browser, Medium tasks can include things like editing photos, recording a musical instrument, or working across multiple tabs and applications at once. Intensive tasks can include things like 4K video editing, graphic design, or software development. Once you've calculated the number of hours you'll be spending on your MacBook each day, and then connected that to a computing task, you should get a more clear picture of the type of user you are. Taking the time to understand how much power you really need and assessing what you intend to use the laptop for could mean hundreds of dollars saved when configuring your next MacBook. I know I've made the mistake of specking up when I didn't even need the extra performance at all. And I did learn the hard way that 128 gigabytes of memory is completely overkill for even my most intensive workflow. Now, some might say, well, what if I grow into that extra power I've purchased? It's completely fair to spec room to grow, but unless you plan on your computing needs drastically changing, it's best to save your budget on something more useful and realistic, like the AppleCare warranty. With your computing needs in order, it's time to set a reasonable budget for your next laptop. From there, we can accurately spec a device. The average MacBook costs just over 1100 US dollars or 1500 Canadian dollars, which when compared to Windows alternatives is a lot. 
As prices continue to fluctuate for just about everything, I recommend saving a few hundred dollars more than the average MacBook pricing. This leaves you wiggle room for extras like an extended warranty, software, or accessories. But in saving up for that extra premium for an Apple MacBook, you can expect to get a unibody aluminum design with a robust software experience and hardware that'll last you between five to seven years, depending on your use. That all said, we're in incredibly uncertain economic times, and not everyone can afford to save enough for a new Apple laptop. For some, the used market might be the way to go. And a great place to shop for a secondhand MacBook is at Otherworld Computing, or OWC. They feature a number of certified pre-owned devices that you can trust, a lot more than some guy on eBay or Facebook Marketplace. You're dealing directly with an accredited vendor and can select an available warranty option that suits your needs. OWC specializes in everything Mac, from accessories to refurbished MacBooks, hardware upgrades, and more. If you're on a tighter budget, I highly recommend checking them out. Now, based on when you're purchasing your MacBook and the type of buyer you are, there are additional savings that you can access, some directly from Apple. To start, if you're a student, an educator, or work within a school district, the best time to buy an Apple MacBook is directly from Apple between June to September. This is when Apple hosts their back-to-school sale, knocking a couple of hundred dollars off the retail prices on all their MacBooks. Additionally, Apple also offers a 20% discount and Apple Care, and in some cases is including a gift card at the time of purchase. Furthermore, Apple's refurbish program is a great way for anyone to save some cash on their next MacBook purchase. For those not looking for custom configurations, I highly recommend taking a look through the refurbished store. With a refurbished device from Apple, you're still getting a new outer shell with a brand new battery and a refurbished tested logic board that's been approved for use. Further, Apple's refurbished devices are also eligible for Apple Care Plus, giving you the exact same benefits as a new MacBook order. Apple takes their hardware quality seriously, so you can trust you'll be getting a grade a laptop when purchasing a refurb from Apple. Also, the lead time for ordering a refurbished device is a lot less than a custom order, so if you're in a hurry to get a new MacBook, be sure to check out the refurbished section of Apple's website. Back to school is generally the best time to buy a new MacBook, and regardless if you're a student or not, big box stores, Amazon, and Apple certified retailers may be offering exclusive promotions. Further, Black Friday and Boxing Day sales usually offer great discounts on the outgoing or base model MacBooks. Some shoppers have also been able to snag an open box unit from Best Buy or Staples at a really great price. Another option to keep in mind is the monthly financing from Apple or installment payments via your credit card provider. This is a really cool program Apple introduced last year and can help manage your expenses while getting into a new MacBook, breaking the cost into small monthly payments instead of a lump sum purchase. Overall, it's best to continue to browse for deals while you save up for your next device and make a purchase when the time is right 
for you. MacBooks have gotten quite expensive in the last couple of years, and it's really worth hunting for a sale or taking advantage of a promotion before walking into the Apple store and making a purchase. Now that you've set a budget aside for a new MacBook, it's time to choose a device and configuration that meets your needs. So to pro or not to pro, it goes without saying the Apple MacBook Pro is one of the most popular MacBooks on the market. It's sold as Apple's flagship, most professional and powerful laptop, and the only device to help you reach your full creative potential. While this can be true, a lot has changed since the introduction of Apple M-series processors, also known as the Apple Silicon. These processors greatly bridge the performance gap between models Air and Pro and create a real struggle when selecting a new device. For most of us, we're used to buying Intel-based computers, with the i-series being a simple indicator of performance for lighter tasks an i3 or i5 would do, whereas moderate usage would call for the Intel Core i7. We see the same challenge with electric cars today as well. Gone are the engine sizes that depict performance, V4, V6, now it's all kilowatts and battery capacities. Plus, Apple's been using a lot more creative and confusing marketing language, making it even more difficult. Seeing things like Retina display or liquid Retina XDR display, when in reality, they're the same thing. But keep in mind, Apple Silicon is still new and will be an adjustment for most consumers. When simply browsing the website, it can seem like the same chip is in every Apple computer, from MacBook Pro to Air. So what do you choose? As of this podcast, the latest Apple Silicon chip is the M2 processor. The unique thing about Apple Silicon is its integration of processor, graphics, and memory into a single chipset. It's part of what makes Apple's laptops so thin and energy efficient without sacrificing best-in-class performance. Believe it or not, this integration helps make things easy. We won't need to select a separate graphics card or processor, but one single chipset. And in practice, these chips make for some incredibly fast computers. For context, my fully equipped Intel Mac used to take about two minutes to fully turn on. My M2 Pro chip is up and running from a cold start within 30 seconds. The performance gain is very noticeable if you select the right device for your workflow. And going back to our assessment of our computing needs will help make an informed decision on which computer to select. If you're spending most of your time doing light tasks, browsing the web, checking emails, and primarily working with web-based or cloud applications, I'm here to tell you the MacBook Air is the way to go. For most, it might be hard to say no to the Pro, but let me explain why you should. The 13-inch MacBook Air with M1 chip is incredibly powerful and most affordable. I personally used this laptop for work when it first came out in its base model configuration. Even with eight gigabytes of memory, I could not throw anything at it to make it slow down significantly. 
My time with the 13-inch MacBook Air primarily consisted of heavy web-based tasks, emails, and a whole lot of Slack messages and Zoom calls. For 2023, I'd even spec this system out with 16 gigabytes of memory, which puts it right in line with the pricing of the new base 13 M2 MacBook Air. If you plan to do some video or graphical work, the base 13-inch M2 MacBook Air is the laptop for you. Those two additional GPU cores on the M2 will help with overall graphics processing. It's also best not to upgrade the 256GB SSD, as this is plenty of storage for web-based computing. You can always add additional external storage down the road for saving and backing up files. Really, if you're a light task user, the base MacBook Air is an affordable way to go. That said, the only downside with the MacBook Air is it's limited to one single external monitor connection at a time. Although for some this won't be an issue at all, should dual displays be a deal breaker, you'll need to invest in a DisplayLink capable dock or connector to activate more than one external display with the MacBook Air. Now, if you plan on having more than two active monitors with the MacBook Air, that's a great reason to consider the Pro, as the graphics processing out of the box are better equipped to handle several screens. On the other hand, for those that are going to be more mobile, or generally in the market for a larger display, the MacBook Air 15-inch is most certainly the way to go. In fact, it's the laptop I use daily, and I'm using the record the audio for this podcast right now. The bigger screen helps me see better away from my desk, and the Apple M2 chip packs a lot of performance for everyday computing. For my needs, the 15-inch MacBook Air makes sense, even as a creative professional. That's why understanding and assessing your needs is a vital part of configuring the right device for your workflow and budget. Before we move on, it's important to know who the MacBook Air isn't for. If you're looking to consistently output medium to heavy tasks, such as edit 4K video, render 3D images, produce audio, or build apps, the MacBook Pro would be a more suitable option for you. Not to say that the Air can't handle these tasks in moderation, it's just those that are actually pushing their device each and every day will benefit from that beefier hardware. So, you think you're a pro? Apple's newest MacBook Pros come with the latest M2 chips released this year, although when taking a closer look at the lineup, it's clear not all of them are pro. It's crazy to see the Touch Bar 13-inch MacBook Pro still within the Pro lineup after the release of the M2 processors. Of all the MacBook models, this is the one I'd steer clear from. The 13-inch Touch Bar is not worth Apple's premium for the Pro label, as it can be configured almost identically to the new 13-inch and 15-inch MacBook Airs. But doesn't that laptop come with a fan cooling system? Sure, the 13-inch comes with a fan, but even for the base M2 specifications, it's just a MacBook Air with a slightly better cooling profile. In the real world, it won't be noticeable, and this is certainly not a device for heavy compute tasks. Unless you find a stellar deal on Amazon or at a big box retailer, I'd steer clear from the 13-inch touch bar MacBook Pro. 
Should you find yourself constantly opening Chrome tabs, working across multiple applications, and doing some creative work, there are two great pro options depending on your budget and workflow requirements. Now, folks, this might come as a surprise, but the MacBook Air is as light as it is pro. Configuring the 13-inch or 15-inch MacBook Air with 16 gigabytes of memory and at least 512 gigabytes of storage will offer a strong performer, even for intermediate users. The added memory and faster SSD also relieves pressure off the integrated Apple Silicon and allows the M2 CPU to reach its full potential. Honestly, the MacBook Airs are incredible performers with Apple Silicon chips and a solid option for just about anyone. If your workflow consists of more frequent graphics processing, such as video editing and 3D rendering, and you aim for this MacBook to be your primary device, I'd only then actually consider moving up into the MacBook Pro model with the base 14-inch. Coming in similarly priced as the 13-inch and 15-inch upgraded MacBook Air, you're getting six more GPU cores and an improved cooling system. Now, if your workflow calls for the 14-inch Pro, it will come at a slightly increased cost over the air, plus a much thicker and heavier device. But it is worth it for daily creative work and intermediate power users. As long as you give yourself 16 gigabytes of memory and at least 512 gigabytes of storage, either the MacBook Air or base 14-inch MacBook Pro will serve you well for medium to intensive tasks. Lastly, if your workflow is the most intensive and taxing to compute, or if you've got an unlimited budget, there are two models which I recommend considering, and one of them might just surprise you. For those that require the maximum performance from their devices at all time, it's best to further break down your computing needs, which you assessed earlier, to determine if the MacBook Pro is even the right solution for you. And really, that comes down to if you're going to be taking the extra performance with you on the go, or if you'd be able to manage with a traditional and stationary desktop setup. Keep in mind, the answer to that question could save you a fair bit of cash on your next MacBook purchase. If you're looking to use your MacBook for repeat heavy tasks and have a device that you can be mobile with, here's what I recommend for you. That is the 14 inch MacBook Pro with the upgraded M2 Pro or M2 Max. Or if screen real estate is important, the M1 Max refurbished 16 inch MacBook Pro. The additional processor upgrade to the M2 Pro or Max will give you 12 compute CPU cores and up to 38 graphics processing cores. If I think about that, my previous Mac Pro had a 12-core Intel Xeon chip and 10 cores worth of graphics cards. For a mobile computer, that's a lot of power you're getting with M2, and most true professionals will be able to take advantage of that M2 Pro or Max's multi-core power, even on the go. If screen size is valuable to you, 
I'd consider a 16-inch refurbished MacBook Pro directly from Apple. The M1 Mac still ranks as a top performer, and for the price, it just makes sense if a larger display is required to be integrated into your workflow. But these MacBooks can start to get expensive very fast. When you add the additional memory and storage based on your needs, there's a point where the cost of a MacBook Pro doesn't make sense anymore. When compared to the Apple Mac Studio, you're getting a lot more performance and versatility for the price. And this includes things like access to more ports, a lot more GPU, more memory and storage. For some people, it might make sense to invest in the Apple Mac Studio and select a less powerful laptop or iPad for your mobile computing needs. I was personally on the fence for a while between that 16-inch MacBook Pro and Mac Studio, and believe me, it was not an easy decision to make. Although, when it came to it, the power of a traditional desktop with stronger cooling performance, extra ports to connect all of my peripherals, and access to the M2 Ultra, the studio just made more sense. In the end, there really is no bad option for my professional users and the power of the M2 will help you get through a multitude of intense workflows. Just keep in mind, as you get into higher configurations of the MacBook Pro, those prices might warrant looking into an alternative model. Since the release of Apple Silicon, it's become so challenging to choose the right MacBook to buy, with new models being released and variances in prices between a few hundred dollars to a few thousand, it's easy to get stuck with the wrong device. But by following the simple buying guidelines we walk through and selecting hardware based on your needs, you'll be able to get into a MacBook that keeps you most productive without breaking the bank. Remember, the best time to buy a MacBook is around the back to school or holiday shopping seasons to take advantage of retailer discounts. There's also nothing wrong with selecting an Apple refurbished device or considering a used model from OWC based on your budget. It's also okay to say no to the Pro. Most everyday workflows don't require the MacBook Pro, and the Air has come so far with the integration of Apple Silicon, the same processor and performance that lives in the Pro computers is also within the Air. If you're a student, a first-time buyer, or the average Joe using a computer, the Air is the right way to go for 2023. There's no need to spread your budget thin on a Pro unless your specific workflow will take advantage of that. Hopefully this buyer's guide sets you in the right direction, and I'd love to know what Apple MacBook you are considering for purchase. So don't be shy and connect with me. I want to thank you for tuning into the first episode of the Digital World Podcast. If you made it this far, be sure to get subscribed so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember, it's a digital world, and I'm here to help you navigate it. Take care.